0: Pod,
1: pod, pod, pod. Rugby
0: pod. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Pod brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. A massive thanks to Guinness for all their support throughout the season. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. How's your week been, boys? How's the, how the press-ups going?
1: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Lord Mike Tyndall nominated both of us to do the 26th. Press-ups in 26 seconds challenge, um, raising money for various charities. It's all around the 2.6 that challenge, isn't it, to do with the London Marathon. And the couple of charities that are they are supporting, and he nominated myself and Big Jim to do press-ups. Now, uh, I didn't manage to get them done before Jim. Jim managed to uh, get time away from the kids, as he does so effectively day in, day out, and uh, posted his video up, and how embarrassing was that, Jim? You talk about yourself as an athlete, you talk about yourself as an enforcer, you talk about yourself as this guy that is just dominating... Life physically, and I—it was honestly—it was pathetic. He's just in his gym all the time, or in his garage. So he's got all the
2: gear,
0: and and then he goes no and idea those press ups. <laughs>
2: But what, why are you laughing? The funniest thing about it all is right. So twenty six press ups in twenty six seconds. Now that's hard for a normal man, but an elitist like my good self, and someone with very long limbs. When I'm doing them, I'm thinking, "My God, my calf is going to be contracted." You're going to see the muscles in the back, and I am going up and down quicker than I'll be going back and forth from the bar responsibly when this lockdown ends. So I think I'm going rapid. I look on me on me watch. I have done 26 press ups in about 19, 20 seconds. Let's round it up to 20. Post the video. Roll roll on the abuse. Is all I'm saying.
1: <laughs>
2: and the funniest thing is, is so I because I'm an elitist um, in the athlete world and. I'm starting reading the comments, and I'm getting offended. So I'm starting calling people out. Well, try it then. You try and do 26 press-ups in 26 seconds. And um, the more times that I looked at the video, the shallower my press-ups became, I'll be honest. Um, four shoulder reconstructions before the time I was 25. But, mate, they weren't press-ups. They were excuses. And I apologise. <laughs> I apologise. And the horrible thing about it is, I'm calling out Goody, and I'm thinking... He might not do it, but if he does do it, he'll be good at it. Then again, he posts it on there and let's be honest, the angle wasn't great. You look slightly fruitish, the pearish. But mate, hey, you've still you've still got it. Mate, you can still and I was happy with yours because you've had a shoulder up as well, quite a bad one. Yeah. Um and people are abusing you as well. I'm like, get on your hands and knees. And get off your knees and stay on your hands and do 26 in 26 seconds and see if you can find it easy. It's quite comical, isn't it? But yeah, we both gave it a crack. So you asked how the week was, right? This is how exciting that it, it got. So essentially needed to order in some hair trimmers, right? Because the hair was growing out sideways. Mine is literally, mine is like a bag of pubic hair on your head. It is that thick and wiry and coarse. <laughs> so I'm thinking the hair needs a cut, right? And I think I just buy some clippers online. Oh, no, there's none coming till June or July. So I've had to buy some attachments for my beard trimmer. And next thing, I've let Beck loose on the hair. She's gone for the fade. It looks more like a jade. I'll be honest on the fade. <laughs> and then I've started on the kids, mate. I'll tell you what, as barbers, it is a craft. It's an art. Because my... Well, actually, to be fair, Beck's done a good job. Poor JJ, poor Max... And tell Phoebe with a skinhead that downstairs, mate. (laughs) (laughs) This lockdown needs to go on for another year, mate, because they've got to go back to school, bless them. Do you think they are going to go back
0: to school? Apparently there's an announcement coming out this week, doesn't it?
1: Oh, you can only hope so, because imagine... Poor Jim's kids being homeschooled by Jim. Um, you know we've seen we've seen his math skills and all this stuff, and his English skills, and his uh, deciphering of riddles. Um, you just hope for Jim's four children that they can get back to school as quickly as possible. But um, I had a good week actually. I've lost a bit of weight this week. Not a chance, no. I lost a bit of weight this week. I shaved the beard off. Have a look. I shaved the beard off. That's about it. Um, I was on I was on a promise, wasn't I? The good lady said to me, um, if I shave her the
2: beard off, she'd keep the lights on. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's actually my favourite That's my favourite um, Gaiaf or whatever it's called. Do you know the Gaiafs that you get on your phones? The funny kind of memes and stuff. My favourite Gaiaf is the llama. Gaiaf.
0: <laughs> oh, give.
2: <laughs> but, mate, it's, uh, it's almost now. It's coming up to eight weeks, I think. Is it seven or eight? Genuinely, each day rolls into one now. Like, I'm putting the bins out. They're not meant to go out. But I'm enjoying putting them out because it gives me something to do. Then I pull them back in. And then I don't put them out for a couple of days. And then I find out they're not coming to be picked up for another two days i'm loving it like the excitement of the bins being picked up um what else is exciting (laughs) he's having a think yeah i can't think what else is exciting really i'm looking at some different business things gonna start james yeah gonna start a coffee company i think we're back okay so that's it so that so in the eight weeks i've come up in terms of productivity i've come up with a business plan i'm starting a coffee company that's it that's as far as i've got
1: and can you divulge a bit on that is it a coffee shop or is it coffee beans is it coffee distribution okay in scotland
2: we're gonna do it in scotland we might move again oh no don't tell me those (laughs) yeah we've got to move again we might yeah so no hey lads keep it under your cup get it because it's coffee oh, yeah. and it, it'll go in a cup yeah no so we're doing a bit of research on that mate, i'm enjoying that actually so something else you can't do much else but um no mate looking into different things listen to a few different podcasts while we're talking about stuff that we're getting up to saturday night did the first zoom call quiz with the kovskins and you think i'm stupid mate <laughs> you want to speak you, hey you want to wear and our mic and you want to wear kovskin jace's got half an ear I'm telling you now, it it was unbelievable. So there was a question in there about like who, what band was Baby Spice in, and obviously she was in Bewitched or whatever it was. They didn't have a clue. They didn't even know uh, what. They didn't even know which one she was in. You playing the obvious game now, are you, Jim? No, that's the only question. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, because she was in the uh, Sugar Babies, wasn't she? <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. word! There's just hey, there's nothing. Hey, there's a bit to talk about. I tell you what, this um, whole situation around Leicester. And the RPA and the state of the game. It's giving us stuff to talk about, isn't it? I enjoyed last week's podcast, Goody. You enlightened me. And Thank you, James. you know what? You know what? You enlightened me. And I'm not gonna name names. I've had people messaging me, not one, not two, I'd say a good four or five against what we're saying, which I found really weird. Like I didn't get it. I've I've not gone back passive aggressive, I've just gone back like I don't understand where the beef is with the RPA. And then I had a few other people saying it was brilliant. Like, thank you for, probably more for you than me, <laughs> enlightening us in terms of the detail. Where is the beef? I think there's certain clusters of players in certain teams that feel that the RPA are there to do more for them around the contracts and around this 25% pay cuts that's going on now. That's what I'm hearing through people who are messaging me and asking why me and Goody are, are so why me and Goody speak so highly of the RPA. And I just go back to them and say, look, th- I'm going based on my experiences with the RPA. We are going over a bit of old ground because this is last week's news effectively. But my experiences with the RPA were is the insurances that were in place for us as players, which a lot of players of my generation utilised and end up ended up being able to retire with a significant injury, which they would have had to retire on anyway, but with a healthy payment and payment that would then carry on into future years from now up until they're 50 some of them until they're 60 and these were insurance policies that you would never have get like goody mentioned that you'd never get these insurance policies in real life but as a, as a rugby player the rpa sourced them um the work they did with hambo but more recently the work they've, they've done with ed jackson uh, the fact that i got 15 percent off an lg tv which was really good because i got um two remote controls with it as well but i'm only going based on my experiences right but i'm not and this is what I said to the, a few of the people that messaged me. Like, I'm obviously not in a team environment now, so I don't know if they've evolved. I don't know the situation around this um, 25% pay cuts and how teams have dealt with it. But no, I thought last week was very enlightening, Andrew. I um, I listened to you and I listened to it back. And so thank you. Thank you. You do add value to my life. I do, James. I do. Um, and a bit of intelligence as well. But yeah, listen, we, we spoke about it last
1: week. I wrote a column for Rugby Pass on it after the podcast as well just surrounding what Ellis Genji has come out and said and you know I'm, I'm not trying to shut him down completely uh, what I was trying to do is, is trying to make it clear the great work the RPA does for the players and ultimately with when Genji does come out with more information and he, he, he messaged me directly himself you know there are more snippets that will come out over the next few weeks and we'll be able to, to judge then. But um, yeah, ultimately, I, I don't like hearing the RPA be bad-mouthed. I've seen all the communication. Um, and as I said last week, they've done a wonderful job. Now, I think some of the people that would be frustrated with what's gone on is the players that aren't happy just taking a 25% percent pay cup. Um And, you know, it's clear that the, you know, in any walk of life, when you get asked to take a pay cut, there's going to be disgruntled people and you're never going to please everyone. I think the RPA do a wonderful job and that's why it needed saying.
0: What do you guys make of some of the reports that the majority of the premiership clubs are showing interest in breaking away from
1: PRL? Um, I think it's absolute rubbish uh, in reality. Um, I think you you think back to last year when CVC bought a percentage of the premiership, I, I don't know the exact number, something like 27%. Each club got in the region of 13 million quid. Is a huge private equity fund going to invest in premiership rugby and then a year later not have anything in place legally for those clubs to be able to do a breakaway? Absolutely no chance. Let's not forget, this is a CVC, a beer moth in terms of business understanding, a uh, private equity fund that are worth probably billions. I don't know the exact numbers, but um, 13 million quid to a lot of these premiership clubs that they received. In the current situation is probably the reason there's a fair few of them still afloat. I don't believe anywhere, you can read stuff in the press, but I don't believe anywhere that CVC, with all the business nows and acumen that they've got, aren't going to have some stipulation in the uh, purchase of the percentage of the Premiership Rugby that they bought into, that all 12, or actually, sorry, all 13 clubs would stay involved in that competition for a period of, and I'm just guessing now five ten years where they'd have to be locked in otherwise there would be serious legal and financial ramifications which as we know currently those clubs can't afford so you know i've I've spoken to a few people um at various clubs and it's news to them as well so uh, i think it's absolutely false information scaremongering i don't i don't really know i know there are perhaps issues around some clubs saying that the prl uh their wages are something like three million quid or something If that's right, I don't know, but ultimately uh, they're looking to to save money um, and clubs have maybe used that as a threat. Maybe one or two have said something and then realised legally they haven't got a leg to stand on, so they're trying to build momentum and trying to shift uh, the narrative in a different way, but I can't see it happening at all.
0: Well, speaking of the premiership, Gertie caught up with Leicester boss Jordan Murphy for our superfan subscription service at patreon.com last week and we thought we'd play you a quick clip of that now.
1: I know you're head coach still at the minute, Steve Borthwick's joining at the end of the year where you'll move to director of rugby and Steve Borthwick will be head coach. How much are you uh, looking forward to having him involved um, and how will that change your role? Because I know you've been basically doing spinning a lot of plates, haven't you, with recruitment, with head coach, with director of rugby stuff for a long time now. How much do you see your role changing? How excited are you to have Borthwick coming in?
3: Oh, it's it's massively exciting for Leicester Tigers. Um, you know, I, I think Steve and everyone who's worked with him, or everyone who's come across Steve um, in his coaching uh, career, is uh, realizes what a talented coach he is. Um, you know, he's been hugely influential on that English team. Um, Eddie Jones is, is the boss, but Steve's got his fingerprints over a lot of the good that they do, uh, and um, it's really exciting for us. You know, we're we're on the start of a of a journey, and and you know our performances haven't been good enough over the, particularly last season. Um, I thought we were turning a corner this season but um we're we're on a uh, on a path where we're going to improve we're going to get better and um, we're building and um you know there's plenty of work to go around steve will run the rugby program when he arrives and, and uh, it'll give me the space to, to hopefully worry about the longevity of, of the club and, and uh, transitioning those younger guys through and, and making sure that we're a, a force in years to come
1: and then do you feel now finally as um the director of rugby from the end of the season uh, and it's always difficult for coaches and, and directors of rugby to understand this. You've had the back end of the club in difficult circumstances. We've seen that publicly from the board. Um, do you feel that is the pressure to deliver with trophies or is it let's get back on a pathway
3: where we can build towards that? Uh, look, I think the club have been unbelievable um, from, from a fan's point of view. And, and you know, I think I'm, I am a fan at heart. We want to be winning trophies. Um, it's not something that, that, uh, that sits very well with me when we're not successful. I want that. But... Um, where we're at at the minute is, is we have to we have to start from from ground zero. Um, the board have been unbelievable in tough times, supporting me and, and giving me, as I said, you know we talked about Pat Howard, we've talked about um, bringing that um, They've given me um, everything that I've requested and, and the support that I've wanted. And you know we have no divine right to win. We have to we have to strip it back. We have to improve on who we are, and, and it's it's going to be a journey. Um, it's not going to happen with immediacy as much as I would love. To turn around and, and win everything, um, it's it's going to it's going to be a build. Um, we're going to have to work very very hard and, and be a really tight group. And, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting started next day uh, next time we're in.
0: There you go. Just head to Patreon.com/rapidpod forward slash if you like the sound of that, and sign up to get loads of extra interviews and features for just a few quid a month.
2: I think following on from Goody's point, there having a look what the whispers are around the football situation in terms of relegation, uh, in terms of promotion. So Leeds being top of the championship and potentially West Brom about coming up into their prem. And I know we've spoken about it before, and I'm just thinking now the momentum is gathering in terms of what is going to happen next season, the global season, how that's all going to look, the finances in the game. Do we not think, right, with everything that's going on, with what's happened around the championship in terms of funding being taken from them, in terms of the profile of the game, for rugby, not what's gone by, right now and going forward... The Premiership would look better with both Saracens and Newcastle in it. Oh, mate, you've got to get off this Saracens bandwagon,
1: mate. They're, they're relegated. You've got to let it... Are you, being, are you being paid to put this out there, Jim, by Saracens? This isn't
2: me. This isn't... This isn't I haven't spoke to anyone it's at not, Saracens. I know it's not, it's not you. You're being forced to say this, I can tell. No, no, this is me as a fan, I promise. This is me as a fan. Like, thinking about it, So when the season starts back up, right, say we do get the rest of the season, but there is a chance it might not happen or it would be sped through. So, if you think we're restarting rugby effectively and how it looks, how much individually players are going to get paid, how many games they're going, to pay, uh, they're going to play, how the international window looks like, is the Lions tour going to go ahead? All these questions. So actually, when you start it, you've got a league in place already with a team like Saracens, with Newcastle, who have now been promoted, and potentially ring fence for a couple of years. All right? Whether or not you believe in ring fence or I believe in ring fence, and all well, that's the best thing for the game. I'm just talking about steadying the ship. I just don't know what benefit apart from the punishment, but what benefit rugby's going to have by now seeing Saracens who've got some of the best players, most marketable players both for fans to go to this, uh, the stadium but also for TV. And for Premier. rugby, and I know we had Darren Charles on and said it's definitely happening. If I was Saracens right, I'd be more inclined to sack off a Premiership title and restart and be like because i do you not think goody right okay so take take your annoyance hat off and the fact that me and you were at hornheads together when all this whole thing around saracens was going on do you not think the prem would be better with saracens and and newcastle just for a year or a couple of years and find another way of punishing saracens that we're talking top level rugby right so we're talking about international uh, we're talking about the Lions. We're talking about Australia folding. We're talking about USA rugby folding. And we've not even scratched a toenail about the championship who are already, and I'm going to swear, who are already fucked. So you're going to send Saracens, the most marketable team down there. I don't think they're the most marketable at all at the minute. I think
1: they've lost They've lost their main sponsor. Uh, they've lost their the stadium sponsor as well in Allianz. I know it's the same thing. But, you know, I understand where you're coming from, Jim. I completely do. You've got a load of world-class players at Saracens who... So you agree? No, that's not an agreement, Jim. Um, the, the issue is, where do you punish them if you don't do that? They, they have pulled the wool over people's eyes for six years, of which they've won in those six years, minimum six years. Look
2: forward. Look forward, mate. I think when,
1: you, when you're looking at what's right for the premiership now. We don't know what the future holds, but I think there'd be a huge uproar if all of a sudden they went, ah, actually, we need Saracens now and we'll let them off because where's the punishment? Do you go another 10 million fine? Don't get relegated, but pay another 10 million fine. That might send the club bust anyway. You just don't know. So I think the reality of it is and for the for the game itself uh, to be judged and to be judged in a way that they want to be seen to entice sponsors in and, and, and to be all above board and, and fair play being... At the the paramount of some of the values of the game, um, Saracens have to be relegated. There's no question about it, Jim.
0: And the top 14 season's been called off now, so the Champions Cup can't be concluded until September, October at the earliest to fit all now, can it?
2: This is how we go back to Darren Child saying the season will definitely start. I just don't see how. And I know everyone's going about it a different way in terms of, countries and trialing different scenarios i just don't see how we can the pressure is going to mount as it goes on i get why we need to and i know the top 14 is a very different model to the premiership and the guinness pro 14 in terms of finances right so they're a very lucrative league i'm sure they're losing loads of money as well well we know that we know some of the clubs are in trouble over there as well but they've just canned it boom like that done same with the football season for whatever reason we're different or the English are different. The Guinness Pro 14 is going to look different, regardless of what happens. And Dave Reddy came out last week and said that he thinks Leinster should just win the title because they're 13 games and beaten. But if your hashtag always Edinburgh, you've won 10 out of 13 and you're top of your conference B, I think it's quite different with that. I don't think you can just give Leinster lengths to the title so that's going to look regardless of what happens against pro 14 because of the travel situation i've still not worked out how you can social distance on a plane but right now i'd be quite happy to dangle on a piece of string out of a plane as long as it takes me somewhere hot <laughs> but goody come on hand on, mate hand on udder do you think and i'm desperate for the season to finish i want live sport to come back in any sh- even if it's behind closed doors hand on udder do you think the season will start back up
1: um uh, I- First and foremost <laughs> first and foremost after my twenty six press ups I'll say it's a pectoral muscle now jim um i've been working out and i I took that from you because didn't you say you were doing a hundred press ups a day and a hundred sit
2: ups or something in yeah I've been doing them on my knees though the press ups I, I forgot to leave the detail out of that <laughs> oh,
1: yeah um but yeah listen listen, it does look like it's going to become increasingly more difficult. I spoke to Jordan Murphy on Patreon last week, and you know he was having. 14,000 Zoom calls a day for various different reasons, scenarios being played out. There's so many scenarios being played out behind closed doors, being played out in the media. We're discussing it on here about how... It could look, you know, there's talks of two stadiums being used and having every club at the, each stadium, the Rico Arena, because the Andy Good Suite would be one of those. Um, and I think Twickenham would have been the other one. But there's so many scenarios being played out. In reality, it's becoming increasingly more difficult. You know, there's nine rounds of games left in the Premiership. Um, you've got to get a collective buy-in from all 12 Premiership clubs to agree to it. But ultimately, I think the reason and one of the main reasons for doing it is the clubs are on their knees. They actually need uh, to play the games, to be able to receive the revenue from BT Sport and from Gallagher and from all the other partners around the premiership. Um, And if that means it goes on behind closed doors, so be it. Well, there's chat that some of the players don't actually want to
0: come back in the Premier League, so wouldn't that be the same case in rugby here as well?
2: Well, yeah, I've seen reports again using football as a good Sounding board, if you like, because that's where the momentum's gathering in terms of their season. Different permutations around that, and it's Aguero. The the article that I read actually uh, saying that he's not comfortable coming back. And again, I was I was chatting to a mate about it today. Actually, it's like I I don't think, and there could be listeners out there who've had coronavirus, who've, who've been diagnosed with it, or who've been really affected with a family member. I think you'd think very differently about things if you had been affected by it. So the minute we we want it to carry on, we want it to carry on, we want to get back to, uh, to normal as quickly as possible, which everyone does. But I think, you know, ha- having read Aguero's, not that he specifically said that he's been, been personally affected by the situation that we're in now, but there'll be certain players that will be mad keen. They're not bothered. They'll just get back and they'll take the risk or whatever. There'll be other players... With uh, family members, I think Keith Earls came out, didn't he, With um, before it started. I think his daughter suffers from a respiratory issue or a problem. He's not going to be jumping to get back into playing, is he? In any sh- shape or form until there's probably a vaccine. So I think everyone will be very different. This is us having an open forum and talking about it and wanting it to come back. But there's so many different things along the way in terms of testing how they're going to do that. I think the only way they can do it, like as Goody said, is, City, is you, you have one or two stadiums where they play. And everything there is, is a kind of hub to, to play the matches in terms of travel uh, for, for the TV, travel for you know, the doctors, stadium staff, etc. But I think there is a part of that that we're talking about it to come back. We don't know what the players are thinking. Like you, some of them might be thinking, well, no, I, I'm not playing until this all blows over. Am I insured? What happens if I get ill? Etc., etc. So the finer details, which are normally the important things that I overlook, and that
1: that's going to be a lot of the conversations going on behind closed doors. Again, the RPA, and we spoke about them earlier and last week, they're key in these discussions uh, and they're being spoken to and, and uh, used as the voice of the players for their concerns. Because Jim's right, you know, there'll be a player. Now, you, I compare it to my job, going into London uh, every day on the tube. I know going back into my office, there'll be numerous people that ain't bothered they'll just get on the tube go to work and that'll be fine and they'll consider that as fine until actually something affects them personally there'll be a load of other people that i'm probably in the bracket of that i actually don't want to take the risk of going in on the tube because because of the twins because of your family you don't want to bring it back to your family yeah my old man has had heart trouble for 20-odd for years. Do I run the risk of catching something and then you know, the old man and mum and dad come down the house, um, see the kids and all this stuff, and then you, you might pass it on to him? So there are going to be people in that bracket. It's the same in rugby. And you know there'll be certain players. We need to make sure in rugby that those players have got a voice. If they don't want to come back, then until there is a, a clear vaccine or there is um, you know clear tests that state that you've either had it and you've you can't get it. Again, I mean, we're not scientists, so we don't know. But these are the conversations going on behind closed doors around the safety aspect and and player welfare ultimately is going to be uh, at the forefront of any decision that's being made because, you know, I, I read somewhere that they were thinking about playing three games a week. Well, we've had debates on here about the five day turnaround and you know that not being enough. So how you have how are you going to play three game three games a week to get the premiership finished? I don't know. So there has to be some clear thinking you have to explore every avenue and now thinking about it the easiest thing might be for just to shut it down and say now we'll see you in September but again you might not have 12 premiership clubs and Saracens in the championship come September if that is the case so currently there's no right or wrong answer and we've got to explore various different avenues um, and we shall see well the other big news from the
0: weekend was Sir Bill Beaumont beating Gus Pichot to become world rugby chairman for a second term and he joins us now how are you mate
4: I'm very well, thank you. Good afternoon, guys.
2: Thanks for coming on, Bill. This is your Vice-Captain, Jim Hamilton, speaking. Uh, Never in doubt. Never in doubt, mate. I had you down from day one. (laughs) Uh,
4: Not when I was listening last week, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I don't know how reliable you are, Jim, because I remember once seeing you trying to uh, put a used ticket in a... uh, uh, New Street railway station trying to get through the barrier.
2: <laughs> hey, mate, normally I just jump over it. It's because you were there. I got all nervous.
4: <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, how are no, you but- doing, guys? Good.
2: Yeah, good. Bill, thanks for coming on, mate. Look, it's uh it's been a mental few weeks in rugby around the world and one of the most high profile situations in the game, which has been great. It's given us stuff to talk about. We obviously had Gus on the show. It's been all over the news. Like, how's it been for you? Because the momentum around it kind of gathered quite quickly. It almost came out of nowhere, it seemed. Um, the fact that, uh, Gus was going to be running against you. Is that how it seemed for you?
4: Yeah, look, I always had a fair idea that uh, he was likely to run against me. He didn't, he didn't he? Didn't say anything until uh, April, but uh, he didn't have to disclose really till uh, till then. So I just think it was. Uh, I think he was just waiting his time. And so look well, the one thing about it that sort of Gus and I might have been rivals for this, but we've we've always remained on, on good terms with each other. You know, we never, never sort of had a go at each other in public, and I think that, that is how it should be. A bit like a game, guys. You want to win, don't you? If you lose, you shake hands and you move on.
1: Ultimately, you've been in charge for the last four years, um, and... Gus has been your vice chairman. Um, so what do you think changed in those four years for him to want to sort of challenge you this time round? Uh, and how have you viewed the last four years in terms of the changes you wanted to make?
4: Well, I think when I look at the last four years, I think there's a lot, a lot of good things that we've done. I think certainly uh, we, uh, we increased the uh, Tier 1 to uh, playing Tier 2 fixtures by over 38%. We uh, invested more into the women's game. We had a really successful Rugby World Cup. Uh, we introduced 33 percent to the world Rugby Council and now now women and uh, and I think certainly the big they've had a big plus thing. I think the disappointment would obviously not be able to get the Rugby nations cup away, but I'm I'm pretty confident that going forward that we can uh, we can get some uh, some other sort of uh, competition underway.
1: Yeah, that's one of the big things that both of you have spoken about and and quite passionately as well. Um, It seems to me, um, after the vote now and we're we're hearing more in the press, that there seems to be some sort of north-south divide in terms of the hemispheres. What do you make of that now? And is it even more important that we bring together a global season uh, and get everyone singing from the same hymn sheet because of the importance of the finances around the game globally?
4: Absolutely. Well, our game isn't big enough to have divides north and south. We've all got to pull together. And I think that's the good thing about sort of out of the election now, and I think this dreadful pandemic that we've got, which we're all locked away, I think it's actually brought it home to people that we can't operate in isolation; that we all we all need each other. I think you you look at the north, which are very successful commercially over the years with their with their competitions, uh, and the south that uh, haven't got the same income stream that the north have. So. It's important that I think that we have a a united game. I think that's the, the main thing to come out of this is that certainly, you know, let's have a game that we can all head in the same direction.
2: And Bill, when you look back at the uh, the campaign, it did gather a lot of mom- uh, momentum. Gus was on social media quite heavily and probably went about his business different to you. I just think uh, traditionally how you would have gone about things. So a lot of people were saying that Gus was going to be fresh, you had r- radical ideas, pot- potentially you were a little bit old-fashioned and stuff like that. But when actually, and we spoke about it on the podcast last week, when you actually dig into it, and I spoke to producer Tim about it before and after, I couldn't find many differences actually between what you both wanted to the, uh, wanted for the game and what changes were going to be, made so you look now where can you see actually that changes can and will be made in the game
3: look
4: vice captain i think that we've got a situation <laughs> whereby out, out out of this issue and my lad said i've actually i've got to say rugby pod 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 <laughs> thank <laughs> you bill The avid avid listeners they'll be oh, marking me. the three lads will be marking me out of 10 so i get on <laughs> i think coming out of this thing that uh, that we've got We've got to align the calendars. We've got to look at what is best for the game. Is it best for teams to be traveling uh, the north going in in July, the south coming up here in November? Is there any way that we can put those two months together? Like you two guys, you've played loads of international rugby all over the globe through, throughout the, the years that you've had the, your illustrious careers. What would you think of that, for instance? How would you think if you went south, Jim, you go with Scotland, you go down to New Zealand, and then come back up and then straight away you're playing at uh, murray field against south africa in the next month
2: yeah I'd, I'd enjoy it like i think the issue that they've got is around the travel situation but like for me i think globalizing the seasons what, what we're obviously talking about here is uh, i'm passionate about that I, i've been quite outspoken about that as well I, I think it's more i think when you hear the players and you hear what the team speak about the travel's the big issue isn't it
4: the what probably one of the Errors that we made with the Nations Cup—that we probably didn't take the players with us early enough on it—I think they looked at just a horrific uh, travel schedule. What we're doing now is making certain that the players are right at the centre of things, and certainly with uh, with the International Players Association, that they're in constant dialogue, they're in meetings. And uh, we're chatting to the clubs, we're chatting to to Europe to make sure that everybody, nobody, not going to be a perfect solution that fits everybody here. And I think in all things in life that you probably, one or two slight compromises here and there to get, to get something underway.
1: And how hard is it going to be? Bill, because ultimately, you know, it's a jigsaw that looks ridiculously hard at the minute to keep clubs happy, to keep the European game happy, to improve things in Super Rugby. You've got obviously the Tier 2 nations that want a big piece of the pie or a bigger piece of the pie now, and rightly so, in terms of being able to play against a Tier 1 nation and the funding. How hard is it for you um, to be able to juggle all these things, keep as many people as happy as possible and find a solution for a global calendar? Because ultimately, the behemoth, which is the Six Nations, is, is something that you have passionately said. Shouldn't need to move, uh, but other people are going to have to move around that to keep everyone happy. I suppose.
4: Well, look, the Six Nations, they they can speak for themselves. I'm not a, I'm not a I'm not the Six Nations committee. i am nothing to do with the Six Nations. I'm just looking at it as an outsider, and they will decide what they do themselves. But I look at the Six Nations, and actually, when that's played, doesn't really have any major conflict apart from probably club competitions. You know, because there's nothing really happening. I can't see around the global game at that window when the Six Nations uh, currently play. But at, uh, as I said before, that, that is up to them. I think you've got to try and stop as many overlaps as you can between the club and international program in the north. I think that would be helpful if you could do that. I think if you could get as many uh, free Saturdays as you can so that one competition you know plays on those Saturdays so you're not, not sort of uh, fighting for media space, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. You know, when, when you're when you're having to play uh, matches when the internationals are on from a from a club point of view, uh, but I think looking at the global thing, you're quite right. There's domestic league, there's, there's Europe, uh, and then you've got the international programme. Because what what people tend to forget is that the majority of the countries, the international programme funds the game in that country. The RFU playing international games at Twickenham is not to build uh, you know, another hotel at uh, uh, Twickenham. What it is, is actually to put money into rugby clubs where you lads started off in Coventry, Barker Butts, wherever it was, you know, myself have, have filed. It's to help fund the grassroots of the game because that's where the game starts. That's where it all starts. That sort of international players, like we've been lucky enough to play international rugby. We weren't suddenly... Invented as international players, we all started off playing somewhere, well, didn't we?
2: Yeah, definitely. And Bill, that brings me actually onto my next point, and one that's probably a little bit more difficult uh, to unravel, uh, and something that a lot of people are passionate about is the Pacific Island nations, and Fiji's a bit a big one. So you've spoken about the Six Nations, the grassroots, and the profile and stuff that, that we had as players, but then you look over, to, and it's a long way away. Obviously, naturally, the Pacific Islands and Fiji is Southern Hemisphere. How difficult is it going to be to actually? put things in place where they're going to get the visibility the finances and all these things that they've been lacking for many years that people are desperate for them to get not just Fiji but I I suppose all the Pacific Island nations how how difficult is it to deal with that
4: look look I think as a group of countries the Pacific Islands have probably given more to the world game than anybody else I think if you if you look at the the population that they've got what is there in in Fiji a million people Samoa 400,000 I think Tonga, 120,000 people, you know, and for the rugby players that the, these guys that these countries produce, it's unbelievable. So what we've got to do to make sure that they're in meaningful competitions, and I think that is something that you know we, we're talking about. Sort of uh, Fiji, um, there is talk of them joining sort of uh, a six-nations competition, but that is for those countries in the south to uh, to decide. It's not. World Rugby can help facilitate it, but then if we can get a proper funded Tier 2 competition so you could have the likes of, and by the way, I'd like to do away with the terms Tier 1, Tier 2, by the time I've finished in four years' time. I'd like to think uh, we need to look at ranked teams and we talk about emerging teams because it's a bit of a stigma, for, and which is wrong, that you sort of label a Tier 1 or, or a Tier 2. Like we're putting together a a competition that you know, uh, all countries can play, and that's what we're hoping to do with our the variation of the Nations Cup, that there could be, you know, indeed promotion relegation into that sort of uh, into those two windows.
1: Um, and you mentioned something there about that. One of the things you want to get rid of in the next four years is that Tier 1 and Tier 2 um, description of, of teams. But what else in the next four years uh, would you like to see and be held accountable for in terms of your policies and, and what you want to get done?
4: Well, I'd like to look at the shape of the game, guys. I'd like to look at sort of what I go and see, uh, especially a premiership game or an international game. They are very similar. The styles of play. There's not a lot of difference for most of the teams, you know, and the reason they're all trying to generate space. And my worry is that sort of the game is just getting dominated by collisions, and it's getting dominated by the size of player. And what we need to do is actually create space on the field of play. So I would like to look at obviously in conjunction with the uh, the players, and in conjunction with quite rightly the. The medical side of things to check that you know we're sort of we're not doing anything against player safety to look at do we limit the amount of substitutes on the field when i've played there are no substitutes i'm not saying that would right or wrong when you guys play you probably your first few games you probably have two subs and what are they now seven seven subs per match so after 60 minutes the whole front row changes and the shape of the game never changes and that's something that i think we should need to look at in a controlled managed fashion not just on the back of a fact packet, but say, right, how can we trial this? And let's trial it and let's see if there is, uh, if anything, if, if there is an improvement. I'd also like to see the, uh, the amount of times it's taken over a scrum. You know, how long does a scrum take nowadays? A long time. And, you know, you've got people who turn up to, uh, to watch, uh, watch a game and they just don't want to see scrum after scrum after collapse, resets, resets. So we need to do a lot more work on that.
2: Yeah, definitely. And um, Bill, you mentioned one thing just before that around the the Six Nations of promotion relegation, and, and, and a lot of people have been quite vocal on on it, and they've spoken about Romania and Georgia, um, arguably the two teams in that tier two. I know you don't want to use that term, but um, in, in this in the other nations that's played over in Europe, would you be looking to see a promotion relegation style thing for the Guinness Six Nations moving forward? Do you think Do you think that's a possibility? Could it happen?
4: But coming back to Jim, I. World Rugby does not control the Six Nations because Six Nations control their competition. It's something that they've built up over the years. What I'm trying to say in the interim, what we will do, and I say interim, is build up and invest in the regions that certainly then, with this, hopefully this Nations Cup, then teams that are good enough are playing in that, you know, so that we, we lift the whole standard. And that's what we need to do. You know, not just have six teams in Europe, we've got to have 10, 12 teams. And in the World Cup, we've got to have 24 teams that are all capable of playing. It's only by investing in those regions that we'll actually manage to achieve that.
1: And do you see the Nations Cup being something that will be played every year? Uh, I know there's been stuff banned around. It might be every two years. It, you know, uh, the initial idea was every year. Uh, is that something that's really passionate for yourself?
4: It, it was never every year, Goody. It was always sort of. Uh, always planned to be, because you've got a World Cup, you can't play during a World Cup year. You've got a Lions Lions year, which makes makes it quite difficult as well, because you've got to remember that how important the Lions is to not only to us here in the the UK and Ireland, which is is part of our DNA, isn't it, Lions? Yeah. It's something that, as a player, you aspire to. And who's Bill Beaumont's administrator to say, do something about the Lions when, you know, I'm here for a short period of time you know, in rugby administration and to say, well, actually, you know, they, they try to do away with the Lions, far from it, you know, sort of, it's one of the iconic brands of, in the world and successful brands. And also the our countries like it as well, because for them, it's extremely uh, commercially successful. So you couldn't do it during a Lions year, you couldn't do it in a World Cup year. So maybe you do it uh, every other year and you have a feeding competition in, into it in one year that sort of for, for teams that, uh, are not necessarily at the top table, so it enable them to enter into that second year to play in it. There's, lo- there's lots of people with. Uh far better brains than me that hopefully will be looking at it
1: not jim though not jim
4: well i thought that but that's why he's the vice captain (laughs) (laughs) the captain has to have a bit of gray matter you know vice captain's in the second row i didn't come across many
2: (laughs) well mate that that brings me on to my next point actually so as captain and i'm sure you've got your views on this as as does your vice captain and everyone underneath us but I think, you know, the pandemic that we're in now has given us a time to reflect on life, not just sport. But if, if we're to pause rugby now and you actually look back and the momentum of, uh, of rugby has gathered massively, you, you've seen the inflation in sal- salaries. You, you spoke about, the, you know, some of the collisions that we're starting to see now, the money that's coming into the game, the characters that are now coming. Wh- how would you summarise now when you look at the state of the game? I, I, I mean, good and bad. I mean, you look at bad in terms of Australia, uh, the situations that they're having around there with a national team. Over in USA, the World up in japan but if you were to put everything into a nutshell um and be uh, and talk about what rugby and what kind of state it's in now how, how would you put it
4: well in some areas it's booming other areas it needs help i think we've got to uh, we've got to talk about we have to expand the game we have to do that we have to look at how more people can uh, enjoy the game boys and girls men and women enjoy it like we've enjoyed it we've also got to ensure that uh, that countries uh, that have been established in the past that we have to, we have to keep, you've got to make certain that we, we, we do as much as we can to keep them sort of going. And so where we are at the moment is I think this dreadful pandemic is, is basically it been a reality check for the sport being a reality check. Are we right to keep traveling the globe playing games? Is it right that certainly, even sort of domestically that you have leagues that travel all over the country every single Saturday, buses going here, there and everywhere. You know, we missing out on what the game was uh, about. And I think it's probably a chance to reset. And uh, really, I think that's one thing that we are doing at the moment.
1: And one of the things you mentioned then was sort of expanding the game globally. Uh, and one of the big things that's come out of this campaign between yourself and, and uh, Gus was obviously the way the votes were cast and, and the way the voting process was going along. Um, is that something that you think needs a bit of reform um, with the likes of Samoa and other of the supposed tier two nations getting more of a say?
4: Well, I think if it, they'd, certainly under, under my watch they have more of a say because Prior to this election, they never had a vote. Yeah. Fiji didn't. The Fiji didn't have a vote. Uh, Uruguay didn't have a vote. USA didn't have a vote. So all those have changed uh, under, under my watch. And what I'll say is that we're having a, a governance review uh, that's going to be chaired by uh, Sir Hugh Robertson. We will be looking at all our all our governance. And uh, but what I'm saying, there is far more transparency now than they uh, during this election than there ever was in the past. When I first got elected, there were 26 votes. Now there were 51.
0: Bill, you mentioned the Lions earlier. What do you make of the rumours that the Lions tour to South Africa might be postponed or even scrapped because the unions need the cash so much that they want to play test matches then?
4: Uh, Look, it's a new one to me, mate. I think the Lions is very much uh, the fabric of of world rugby. I think certainly South Africa are jumping at the bit, waiting for it. You've got players who will be excited to go. You've got to remember also that the lions are, they're owned by, by the countries. You know, they are all equal shareholders. You've got four countries that are four equal shareholders in it. And, uh, I, I haven't heard that at all. I haven't heard that rumor. I've heard plenty of rumors, but I've heard that one.
1: The last question I'm going to ask you, Bill. Uh, I know you said your three sons listen to this. Uh, Jim often talks about his four kids um, and which one's his favourite. We know which one his favourite is. Do you have a favourite son, Bill? Just put you on the spot there for a minute. They're all listening.
2: <laughs>
4: they're all favourites. They're, they're all they're all mum's favourites anyway.
2: Oh, that's awesome.
4: They're great. Three three great lads. Really good lads all massive, passionate uh, rugby players and, uh, well, ex-players now for two of them and uh, one still playing.
0: All right, Bill, well, thank you very much for coming on the show and best of luck for the next four years, mate.
4: Okay, really enjoyed it. Anytime, lads. You want me to come back on the rugby pod pod pod? I'm ready and waiting.
2: Cheers, Bill, mate. Thank you, mate. That was class. Really appreciate it. Bye. Cheers, Bill. Good lad. Top bloke. Mate, he's I'll, even got the, love he's that. Even got the bands. <laughs> mate, he has, mate. I, I absolutely love that. And this is why we pushed for him so hard and why we opened him up last week because we w- we wanted him to come on we hoped he'd come on and out of everything that we've done do you do not think and i know there were you know th- there's a few things where you know it's going to be a lot more difficult to change than he's saying but just to have him come on. I love that. I don't know if I answered his question properly or not, but I, I, was, I was stunned he asked my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's something. the thing, mate.
1: That, that's, the, that's the that's the thing of a brilliant campaign manager or someone that is campaigning for something. They throw the questions back at you, Jim, and you didn't have an answer. You're like, oh, yes, Bill. Ye- yes, Bill, whatever you think, Bill. Can I be your vice I wasn't... captain, Bill? <laughs> it was like your a panic. coach opening me up. I thought it was amazing of uh, Bill then to come on. He was honest. He was candid. He was um he's everything you want him to be really wasn't he uh answered some tough questions had a bit of uh banter with it as well obviously his sons have got stuck into him he knows he knows the pod 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 he knows jim's vice captain of every team he's ever played in and he's vice captain of this pod aren't you jim because i'm the captain
2: All right, Matt, I'll, I'll take that mate because bill wants me as his vice captain bill i will run through a wall for you mate i will run through a wall for you just take me with you just take me out of the house
0: please <laughs> right you guys up for another quarantine quiz oh
2: gosh yes
1: we are and i have to start off with something really because um the current scores are three two aren't they jim yep so i believe that in this lockdown period you've turned into a bit of an opsy math
2: what into a what an octopus y- y- <laughs> not an octopus but an opsy would that be What's true that? Is it- i don't even know what that is an octa an opti
1: no, <laughs> an opsimath is uh, someone who begins to learn or study later in life, Jim. So uh, you've clawed it back from 3-0 to 3-2. I'm feeling the pressure right now.
2: Mate, well, that's uh, – hey, I, I'm unbelievable under pressure, and I do see myself as an octopus. Don't I, am
1: oh, making lasagna. Making fucking lasagna. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, well, there's another 100 quid going to donate to the NHS by Hoover loses, um, and Jim uh, you, you are actually on a roll because whatever Jim said that you've become in the lockdown, Um, you, you have been doing some studying, haven't you, mate?
2: I haven't, no, mate. I told you. Like anything to do non-rugby, I mean, like the guy who messaged Goody who could take me to the cleaners. Mate, anything non-rugby, I, th- th- I think they're all the questions that I've answered are the ones that are not rugby. All right. Well, question
0: number one. Here we go. Mamuka Gordodzi retired this weekend and is his country's record try scorer. But how many tries did he score for Georgia? Closest wins.
2: Goody, you go first, mate. I went first last week. No, no, I went first last week.
1: That's fair. Well, first and foremost, let's get his name right. He was an absolute beast of a player. Mamuka Golgodzi. Godzilla. Godzilla, whatever. You call him what you want. He was phenomenal. How many tries has he got? I was a... Back row, second row, the top try scorer for Georgia. They just don't pass it down the line, do they? They just go drive him all. He picks off the base. No one tackles him. Try. So how many tries has he got for... I'm going to go 30... 30.
2: For Georgia, mate, surely he's not scored 30 tries for Georgia. But then again, they, you know, they did play against Kazakhstan and um, some of these other teams <laughs> and stuff. Mate, we nearly lost to Georgia in the World Cup, mate. And I, I played with uh, Mamuka at Montpellier and... Played against him in the World Cup. My word, your man. Did he score? No, because it was it was a six three or a nine three classic. So okay, man, I don't think he scored thirty tries. Surely not. I'm gonna go twenty two. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I've gone too high now. I was going to say ten. If I would have went first, I would have said ten. But you went high, so I've just gone a little bit higher just to make it what I feel fairer. So can I change my answer then, not like you did last week? No, you can't. Not after you've not after you've predicted that. No, and go
1: twenty five. No.
0: The correct answer is 27.
2: Get in there. So who's closest? What did you say, 30? 30, Yep. 27, 28, 29, 30. Yeah, all right, that's fine. <laughs> well, even I can work that out. Question number two. What
0: is the world's largest land mammal?
1: The world's largest land mammal? Jim. Goody. I said Jim. the first. Elephant. That's correct. Yeah, I, I mean, can we... There's a technicality. There, oh, I don't copy me. Yeah, time. don't
2: copy me. Don't
1: copy me, mate. I said it at the same time, but hey. So, one all who
0: was World Rugby Chairman before Sir so Bill Beaumont? Oh,
1: what's his name? Irish. Was he Irish or Welsh? No, I think he was French. Goody. Goody. I don't think it's... A, is it Lapisette?
2: Bernard Lapasset. That's
0: correct. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Two ones to Goody.
2: Mate, hey, I, I, I thought it was Welsh or Irish or both, so I wouldn't have got that. I, yeah, Mate, the name rings a bell, though. ding a ling ling a ling 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 a There we go.
0: All right, question number four. Goody gets this, he wins it. In the phonetical alphabet, which word is used to denote the letter K? Jim, Judy,
2: kilo. That was me. That was me. I said it, I got It, it. doesn't matter, kilo. No, no.
0: I think Jim um, was was second on that. There, yeah, thank no, no. you. All right, we'll go. We'll go to the final question. Um, which country made their only Rugby World Cup appearance in 1995?
2: Jim, I've just shouted out. I'm not too sure. Go on, Jim. Oh, did the Ivory Coast have a team? Have I got it? That's correct. I'm saying Ivory Coast. <laughs> There we go. He's got that. That's two all them. <laughs> oh, oh, mate. I'm literally. I oh, I'm so happy. It's the happiest I've ever been. So we're saying it's gym. two
0: all because because the uh, yeah it was it was dubious whether Jim got the letter K in the phonetical alphabet. So this is a sports related question for the win. Muhammad Ali won the gold medal in heavyweight boxing at the 1960 Olympics in which country?
1: Oh,
2: which country?
0: Ah, uh, which city? Which city?
2: Which city, Jim? Jim? I mean, it is a complete guess. Go on. Istanbul. It's incorrect. Hold on. Sixty. I was going to say Salt Lake City. I don't know why, but no, that was uh, Salt Lake City. That was be Winter the Winter Olympics, wouldn't it? Winter, yeah. Uh, Come on, we need an answer. Uh, Rome.
1: Rome is correct.
4: Oh my <laughs>
2: <laughs> Are
1: you joking? Oh. <laughs> I was between Berlin, Rome and LA. If
2: you've got that without looking, then I swear you can have it. I S- swear I'm it. alive. You can have it. Fair play.
0: So just to round things off now, um Jim, is that the fourth one you've lost now?
2: Yeah. But I'm happy, mate. That one I'm happy like, I'm happy with. If he's got that if he's got that, I'm happy to pay that.
1: That was a great ding-dong, that was, Jim. You know, It was. I was up. I was up. I thought I was winning. Boom, you come out with the Ivory Coast. What a, what an answer that was, Ivory Coast as well.
2: Mate, I told you, mate. Hashtag ruggers, mate. Hashtag always.
0: All right, let's move on to our next feature, and it's Jim's favourite feature. You love to introduce us, don't you, Jim?
2: Right, let's get into it then, Andy Rowe. Yes, um, it doesn't need an introduction anymore because the millions of people know what it is out there. It's called Jim Will Solve It. I, I don't know why I'm telling you again, but I want to, um, just in case you don't know, but you probably do know. Riddle me this. Riddle me that. Jim will solve it. Get it? <laughs> peel back. You're getting good at that little peel back, Jim. I've been practicing that, man. I've been, back's like, why am I screaming that every morning in the toilet? All
0: right. Here, here we go. Ten fish are in a tank. Two fish drown. Four fish swim away. Three fish die. How many fish are left in the tank?
2: Oh, my oh, goodness. Wow. wow. Right. So, 10 fish are in the tank. So, there's 10 of them that are in the tank. There's no one else in the tank no. just 10 fish. Can we write this down? Okay. So, 10 fish are in a tank. Two fish drown, which is not very nice, but it happens. Four fish swim away because they're grieving. Three fish die of grief. How many fish are left? Well, I think I think the, I think the clue in it is the four fish have swum away, but where, they can't swim away anyway because they're in a tank. Oh, Good, Jim. Good. All right. So hang on. So let me get this right. So there's 10, there's ten, other, ten other little buggers, two two drown. so they're definitely not in. Four fish swim away, but they're still in the tank. So three, three fish drown, so they're definitely dead. So so two fish drown, three fish die. Five. Wrong, James.
0: Ten fish are in a tank, two fish drown, four fish swim away, three fish die. How many fish are left in the tank?
2: Well, there's five of them because there's five, five
1: die. Right. Well, let's have a little think, Jim. Let's go back to some of the words that you said. You always
2: ask for a clue, right? Right. Yeah. What was one of the statements that you made early on? That they can't swim away because they're all in the same tank. Ah, oh, there's ten still in the tank. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, well done, James. Uh, mate- I don't know. I don't know whether they're they're cannibals and they eat each other. Do you want know I mean? like? Th- there needs to be more specifics in this. But I think that I'm. I think that this is an easy one for me to actually take credit that I've solved it because riddle me this, riddle me that. Jim just solved the one about the fish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Pill back. All right. Should we have a look at the rumor mill? You guys got anything floating around? Oh
2: gosh, no. Uh, no, not really. Although,
1: well, no, there is one actually. Well, there's a few. There's a few actually. Carl Ferns. Did you see some of his social media situations over the weekend? Jim, please tell me you saw the video of him. He's in the fa- in with the fans at Leon. They've played Rassing 92 away from home. They've won away from home, and he's sat there watching, the, or stood there watching the game with the Leon fans. He jumps over the barriers at the end of the game to go and celebrate with the lads, and he gets taken out by about four security guards, at which point he starts filling them all in. <laughs> he gets up and walks off. He's hard as fook, that kid is. Is that is that him? That's him, yeah. Northampton Saints, they need to sign him because there's the
2: rumor bang right there carl ferns to northampton saints after scrapping so, so his tweet is when you beat racing away and the raid and raid the pitch with liam gill thanks for the help mate in brackets so that there that video i thought was a fan i didn't realize is that him he was a fan that day yeah so you're right it was a fan he was the
1: fan it was carl ferns he just fills in about four bin men that are being paid to be security guards as
2: well my goodness that's hilarious.
1: Yeah, so Fernsey to Northampton. Um and you think about a lot of those boys in France now. Season's been ended. You know, some of them come to the end of their careers. Brock James, there you go. Uh his career is now over because they've canned the rest of the league and they you know, players wanted to wanted a big swan song. It's really sad actually, isn't it, when you think of someone that's had that bigger impact in the top fourteen and it's just been canned now. We spoke about John Barkley last week, didn't we, Jim? Uh in terms of whether he's going to retire or you know, that's him done at Edinburgh. If the league gets back on, will he play? It's looking very unlikely. So it's a very sad end to some people's careers. Uh, and obviously, you know, Fernsey's done exceptionally well over in France for Lyon and won't get to pull on the jersey again to say goodbye to the fans or have that swan song game.
2: It'll be class for Northampton, he won't. If he stays fit, he's a proper Prem player, he is.
1: One guy that I do rate massively that I've read a rumour about, um, and Andy Rowe, you might know a little bit about this fellow, Joe Tamani from Leinster going to dragons uh, andy rose
2: just sat there going never heard of him is he the center yeah i mean oh my hair oh my he's hard yeah no I, i've seen him play what club is he rumored to go to dragons to play with mate. Him, my goodness mate him and nick Tompkins, mate the dragons are going to be breathing fire next season because hey. 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 Like dragons uh, dragons like obviously are renowned for breathing fire yeah
0: any other rumors floating around
2: yeah so I saw this on Rugby Pass and I put it out there to the millions and got hardly any interaction. But anyway, Peter Steff the Toy, the South African World Player of the Year. He's not even a monster. He's one of the best-looking blokes on the rugby pitches. Talk of him going to Montpellier. Mo had Altred bringing out the checkbook for 1.2 mil a year or whatever it is. Um, is he worth it? That's the question that I put out on social media. Is any player worth a mil? Arguably, yes. If he turns up and he wants to play and he rocks up, I don't know. Where else could he go? So he's at the Stormers now. I don't even know if he's in contract. They're going to pay him out anyway. They've offered him one point two mil a oh, yeah, year. Is, uh, Well, Montpellier have denied it, haven't they? They've come out in the press, which which probably means he's signed it already.
1: Knowing the French and the way the way the way they handle things. But listen, he he was unbelievable at the World Cup, wasn't he? He's, he's hard. It will suit the Premiership. It will suit the top fourteen. I heard Quins are sniffing around him as well, and, and potentially sail as every other South African does. So, um, if he doesn't stay in South Africa, whoever gets him is getting one absolute animal on the field.
0: All right, shall we finish things off? The good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you again by Suns
2: this week, isn't it, Goody? Uh
1: Yeah, how's the hairline this week, Jim, with all the stress of being with the kids
2: 24-7? Mate, actually... It's looking alright. I don't know whether that is quarantine haircut, but I might start feeding the kids vitamins. Actually, I don't know if they're allowed to have them, but uh, they need them because they've both got Skynads and Phoebe Blatter.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've been using the shampoo, the tablets, the vitamins, and the topical solution every day, and my lid is looking better than ever, Jim.
0: Yeah, hair loss is an issue a lot of men don't talk about, but Sons are helping to change that. They have a range of pharmaceutically licensed and medically proven products for preventing hair loss. Their free online consultation with special physicians takes less than two minutes and delivery takes just a few days they deliver results in nine out of ten men and all for a reasonable monthly cost with no hidden costs or charges so give baldness the boot and go to sons.co.uk and use the code rugbypod10 to get your first month for just ten quid that's sons.co.uk and the code is rugbypod10
1: yeah good clearly no rugby to talk about but uh, plenty of things going on around the game uh, and we'll start off with another cov skin another lad from cov a Woodlands boy. Was he Woodlands? I'm sure he was Woodlands. Tom Yeah, he wood. was, yeah. Tom Wood went to Woodlands. Uh, he's made a barbell out of a tree. Out of wood. Yeah. Tom Wood has made a barbell out of wood to work out from home with wood. Do you get it? Um, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh he's uh Wood by name is his company, isn't it? I think. Uh And he's done a lot of good work there. But if he wants to send some down my way... You see my press-ups, mate. Oh, I need something extra now. I can do guns. I can do bench. I can do shoulders. So, Woody, I know you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Woody, I know you're listening. Uh, send me a barbell or something, uh, and I can do some garden workouts and promote your business because it is true, my video got three and a half times as many views as gyms. Um, so, you know, if, you, if you're talking marketing and fitness and training just come to me from the rugby pod not jim hamilton um, you always so,
2: got three times more did it yeah it did actually jim yeah yeah but yeah. how would you even know that i'd like <laughs> <laughs> so i looked at it i looked
1: at it before we came because i'm like why the fuck does everyone want to see this i've had 38.7 thousand views
2: but that's because no one will believe that you, you would do <laughs> such a thing like i'm on there smashing press-ups out doing ups, doing chin-ups like people are like well mate i've seen it all before you're only doing 26 press-ups in 20, <laughs> 20 seconds <laughs> Uh, Jim you had 13,000 so maybe it is a bit of that uh,
1: what else is good Mamuka Gorgodze has announced he's retired over the weekend but he's in the good not because he's retired although many players will be happy he has now retired because as Jim said earlier on whenever he had the ball or whenever he was trying to hit you it was basically your man uh, but he's in the good this week uh, for just having a hell of a career being probably the hardest man bar Jim Hamilton to ever
2: play the game uh, Thanks. so a big shout out to him um, and uh, we Austin, should also say as well sons are available to him because because you can't have everything good. His hairline and I think he had it I think he had a transplant. Some people go to Turkey. I think he's gone to the North Pole to get his done, and uh, <laughs> there's nothing growing back. So Sons is available to Mamook. Uh
1: so a hell of a career from him. That was good. What else was good? Thurston Rugby Club, uh, who have raised over fourteen thousand pounds for the My Wish charity, supporting the West Suffolk NHS Hospital in the past two weeks. They've ran a 52-leg socially distanced relay around the countryside of Suffolk uh, with a beer drunk at the end of each leg as well. So big shout out to them. Um, What else was good? Reese Webb. Did anyone see this story? Uh,
2: Something. He's doing something good he is doing the, the nhs good.
1: yeah he is doing something good he's working part-time for the nhs now he calls this part-time i'm calling this full-time because he's doing a full night shift a 12-hour night shift from 8 p.m to 8 a.m to help make ppe masks for his mate's company uh so uh i consider that more than full-time that's like three days work imagine going looking after the kids all day Jim, and then going to work from 8 p.m to 8 a.m and not sleeping
2: Mate, I'm not good with no
1: sleep, I'll be honest. <laughs> so a big shout out to Reese Webb. Um, but the good this week, we started a craze last week, didn't we? Uh, talking about Barnes Rugby Club. The England boys obviously listened to the podcast, saw us talking about it. They got involved. Jamie George, uh, Elliot Daly, I saw he get him get involved as well all for the big lift. Um, We mentioned them last week. They're aiming to lift a million kilograms on Saturday in honour of Gary Garrett, and they had a target of £10,000 to raise for the NHS charities. It's fair to say they succeeded and actually blasted that £10,000 target out of the water Uh, They lifted 7 million kilos between them instead of just the 1 million, and they've now raised over £116,000, so outstanding work from everyone that got involved with Barnes Rugby Club's Big Lift, Um, so well done to everyone for that.
2: That's class. Yeah, that's a lot of money as well.
1: That is a lot of money. Uh, Bad. Well, there's only one bad thing for me this weekend. It wasn't hard to find. There's 13,000 views of it on twitter and it was jim's press-ups jim's 26 press-ups they were the worst things i have ever seen jim so that's all i can find for the bad this week so the bad goes to jim hamilton and his press-ups anything to say about that jim
2: well i'll take the bad if you take the ugly then
1: (laughs) (laughs) well the thing is jim you went back on that because you said mine were actually pretty good earlier in the show so uh that doesn't count but the ugly this week there is something ugly in the game. Uh, And it's quite comical as well, really, because uh, it's about the Southern Kings and they didn't get paid on the 25th of the month over in South Africa. And the Southern Kings equity partners, now listen to this people, the Southern Kings equity partners are known as the greatest rugby company in the whole wide world consortium. That's the consortium that owns a majority of the Southern Kings, the greatest rugby company in the whole wide world. That is what they're called. They failed to pay their players. They had a big argument with the minority shareholders, the Eastern Province Rugby Union, um, and they basically blamed each other. They didn't pay the players, but luckily for the players, the Port Elizabeth Nelson Mandela Bay Metropolitan Municipality came in and paid the wages so imagine being called the greatest rugby company in the whole wide world consortium and then not paying your players who play rugby just doesn't work out does it so
2: that's why they get the ugly their logo will definitely be a cowboy hat without doubt (laughs) without doubt but i like i like it over there i went down there saw the club some good people but yeah where's it where's the money (laughs) <laughs> uh, thanks, Goody. And you boys have got a few
0: shout outs to finish off with, don't you?
1: Yeah. Quick shout out to Adam Sharkey, uh, who's a big fan of the pod and is turning 21 this week. Uh, so it might not be the celebration you had planned, uh, but have a good one, Adam, stay safe. Have a few pints of Guinness, um, but happy 21st birthday to you.
2: Yep. Big happy birthday. Big shout out to Stornaway RFC, way up in Scotland, uh, who are doing a 5K in May challenge where they walk, run or cycle 5K every day this month to raise money for their local care hospice. So just check them out on Instagram or Facebook if you can help them out at all. So that's Stornaway Rugby Club. Yeah, and a shout out to
1: Burnham Rugby Football Club, who are raising money for their local NHS hospital by walking, running and rowing a total of 1,000 kilometres uh, so, good luck with that, guys, and check out Burnham Rugby Club on Just Giving if you want to donate
2: yep they're all fitness challenges and this is the last one uh, a guy called mark beaumont his name might ring a bell with a few people is the guy who cycled around the world in 80 days but he's put on an event a challenge i think that people can get involved in called world in a day it's happening every thursday so far they've raised one hundred and pound over the last two weeks uh, it's for anyone with a turbo trainer they can cycle on treadmill or a roam machine at home anywhere really where you can log your miles uh, from home so you need to register at world in a day.com uh, they've got inspirational guests that share stories throughout the day on thursdays and of course my, mark beaumont is leading the charge 240 miles on a turbo which is a thing that you your back wheel was effectively meant to be stuck on the floor 240 miles virtually in a day but I mean he yeah, has cycled around the world in 80 days so that's pretty good thanks Jim
0: thanks Scoody. thanks producer Tim and thank you very much for listening as well we really appreciate everyone who subscribes follows us on Twitter and particularly those who leave us a nice review on iTunes and don't forget if you're in need of more great rugby content while you're stuck indoors check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod
2: Bill Beaumont's vice captain rugby pod 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 pod
4: rugby pod pod pod, pod we